start. Sooners of Oklahoma 12-0 and still looking for respect nationwide. What is going on, Sooner Nation? Thank you all for tuning in to part two of this week's Barry and Mac show. Make sure to go follow us on Twitter at Barry and Mac SHW and go leave us a rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts. But enough with that, on to the show. Man, moving to a little bit of news here, uh, something newsworthy. Big 12 after... I mean, really, a, a long stretch of people waiting for it. Finally dropped the 2023 schedule, and it was interesting. A, a few highlights is OU has a, a kind of a, a rough window in the very beginning of conference slate, and then they close out with two games that could potentially be very interesting. But OU to play eight games in the state of Oklahoma in 2023, the Big 12 giving OU the finger on the way out, it seems like. But I just want to go through real quick. Uh, you've got Arkansas State and SMU, both going to be in Norman. Uh, you've got at Tulsa. So there's one of your Oklahoma games, right? You've got at going Cincinnati. At, going there? Oh, you yeah. going to Tulsa? Yeah, I'll, 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 be, I'll be at that game, 100%. I think I'll be there with you. I think, I think, I think I'll be at the, in the building. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let, let, let's make that one happen, man. Tulsa's done some nice stuff to that place in the past few years. It, it looks better. looks better. And the d- new coach, I don't know a lot about like the turnover of the coaching staff here recently. I need to find out about that. You know who their OC is? You don't know who their OC is? Who's their OC? Steve Sperrier Jr. Oh, that's right. Yes, I did know that. I did know that. That's uh um, ball coach. The OC up there. So I'm definitely gonna go check out coach. Yeah, that's uh so I was talking with uh I'm friends with a TU player who played on the uh played against Baker in 17 and he he was telling me he liked the direction of where things were going. He he actually he played under the previous regime under under Montgomery um and had a good time, but he he thinks the the direction they're heading might be a little better for uh, sustaining some some success just in what they're doing recruiting wise and stuff. So interesting. Uh, so I might get him on the pod sometime to tell a couple uh, on-field Baker stories. He uh, enjoyed that game quite a bit. Uh, but at Cincinnati after Tulsa, you got Iowa State, Texas, and Dallas on October 7th. Uh, OU's got their bye week very well placed, I think, right in the middle of the season, uh, right before a home game. So guys don't don't have to go travel. Uh, so you get the 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 full uh, benefits of a bye week right there, and then you got UCF coming off that. Then you've got at Kansas, at Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State looks to be a complete dumpster fire right now. Who knows what's going on over there? West Virginia back in Norman. OU goes to Provo. I'm working on being at that game too. So we will uh, we will see how that goes, and then they finish. Black Friday home game against TCU. It will be fun to see OU playing on a Friday. Got the holiday season going on. I think that'll be interesting. OU hasn't done anything like that since they used to play Nebraska in the old Big Eight. So, so that that'll be exciting to see. DMAC, you see the schedule. You 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 see the away games. You know the home slate. What are your thoughts on this thing? 
Yeah, so when I look at the schedule, uh, I'm going to do the macro and the micro. Which one do you want first? Let's go macro first. Let's go big picture. Big picture first is this conference is going to be a joke once we leave. That that I'm looking at dollars and cents. <laughs> I'm looking at revenue streams. I'm looking at who's leaving, exiting, and who's coming. And I'm just like, yo, where is the beef? <laughs> where is it? I don't see it. So I understand the whole... 24 versus 25 Fox and the networks and ESPN and these guys fighting it out the big 10 moving on to different networks. And these guys are trying to make sure they dollars continue to make sense. And I'm here to tell you 14 teams, 15 teams, 13 teams, 16 teams. No, oh, you know, Texas, the conference is, is a B tier conference. So from a macro lens, I'm looking at the big picture and I can understand why Fox has got their panties in a bunch because they see their golden gooses are leaving. And um, you know what? Either ear is okay with me. I'd prefer 24 just, just to get out of the conference sooner and, and be excited about some of the new destinations. But 25 gives Jackson a year. You said this offline, give Jackson a year in the big 12 before he goes and plays with the big boys. So I macro lens, I look at the... <laughs> you did. You did. You did. You did call it the whack. Macro lens. I I think it's cute. Um, micro lens. I look at our I look at our actual schedule, and um, it's good to have some new blood. I think it's good for us to have some new guys on the schedule, and those count as conference games. You said it. Eight games in Oklahoma. I don't know that that's ever happened. It, I don't. I don't think it's even possible, right? Like, I mean, I guess five home games, and then you could have UT and and you know, uh, I mean, we could never play UCO. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's not possible. Yeah. So for us to have the UT away game, and then obviously Oklahoma State with the six game home slate is pretty sick. I look at the schedule and I say to myself, "This, um, you're right. The tail end of the schedule." Uh, it's going to be interesting. BYU historically plays a physical brand of football. And in the month of November, who knows what the weather looks like? They've usually got a oose at tail and a guy who's going to lean on you. And and just us the last decade, has, that's been a problem for us. A physical running back. And those guys generally have one. And then, of course, you you book in the season with TCU. We just saw what they did last season. Yeah, I don't think they're a 13 and one team this year or a 12 and one team, whatever they ended up being, or a 12 and two team, whatever they ended up being. But I do think they are an eight to 10 win team. Uh, I think perennially leaving the conference, they're going to be one of the bigger boys. You know, they're going to own North Dallas, right? With no OU, they're going to own North Dallas because they're yeah. going to be the biggest yeah. school in the area. And so TCU is one that. That brings a little caution and concern. Um, you talked about OSU being a dumpster fire. Well, they just went from a dump to a dumpster. So it's all good, right? Those guys, redhead little brother. I look at the Iowa State, Texas, Cincinnati trio. I think that's really going to define Coach V's season. Uh, we, we should start the season three and zero with no problem. SMU will be interesting. They've got some talent. They've gotten some, you know, some uh, North Dallas pride as well. I know some of the kids when I was at Cedar Hill were strongly looking at SMU and some of the transfers going in. I think they got a couple, couple guys that come in to, to uh, SMU. But we should win the game. We we presume at home we should kick their ass. Tulsa again, very winnable game. We should kick their ass by forty. Cincinnati is is going through the turnover piece and they lost their coach and all that, but they've, I, I don't know. Right. I really don't know. I remember the last time we went to play them. I think they had Brian Kelly as the coach when we played them in Cincinnati and they almost beat us. 
probably about 10 years ago, 10, 11 years ago, but we played yeah. them in Cincinnati and, and they out physicaled us for sure. They, they hit us in the mouth good and well, but we won that game. I think it's a game that sets up well for us to prepare for Iowa state. And then, and in Texas, I don't care. No one says mm. if Campbell's the head coach at Iowa state, they're going to play tough. The end. They're going to play tough. And for us to think because of some of the turnover happening and some of the guys walking away and, uh, um, the graduation, I mean, thank God Hutch is finally, finally leaving. How many times has he posterized us? He's killed us for three years. Um, I, I expect them to want to hit us in the mouth. I expect them to play sound ball. And unless we can just move them on the O-line, which I hope we can with the more physical brand of ball this, this upcoming season, it's going to be a slobber knocker. And then Texas will be the only game we're probably not favored in, uh, which means the guy's got to be up and ready to play. Solid schedule. I said it before, B. Uh, I expect 10 wins. I'm a, I'm a huge Brent Venables fan. I have friends on the coaching staff. I have guys who coached me are coaching there again. There is every, I mean, it's my alma mater. It's, you know, it's, I have every reason to be biased and, and a freaking stand for my university. But I also have high expectations. And I don't care how they do it. We need to win 10 games next year. And, and the beauty is if we do recruiting, we're going to be second to none. We will probably take a backseat to Bama and Georgia, maybe. But even the kids that select those destinations will look long and hard at us, especially with us going into the SEC and especially with us having a culture uh, that those guys are breeding. 10 win season. Uh, I like the way it sets up that three game stretch between uh, Cincinnati and Texas are interesting to me. And then ending the season the way we do, uh, with going to going an away game in the weather and then TCU at home. I wouldn't be surprised B if TCU isn't for the ship, for the ship, one of those two spots in the ship. I wouldn't mm -hmm. be surprised. Those guys are, you know, eight and one in con or eight, no, you know, seven and one in conference, something like that. We're seven and one and we're going into game nine. Wouldn't be surprised. Um, but very, very, very winnable schedule. And my God, when we're not on the schedule, sh sheesh, too bad for the rest yeah. of the guys. It's, it's, it's going to be the WAC 2.0 for sure. Yeah, it doesn't look good for the future, man. I mean, you, you don't have, I mean, you do have a Texas presence, but, but by not having the, like the eyeballs that you get every time your team plays the Texas Longhorns or every time your team plays Oklahoma. Like that is going to mean a ton. It's going to mean a ton for ticket sales. I mean, how many places to just make budget count on, oh, this game looks good. We'll probably have 75% capacity for this one. We'll sell out OU. We'll sell out Texas. Well, the, the ticket price is going to be steeper. Like that, that, that matters. Like the day to day just micro expense piece of the game and of the, of the industry is, is very important. It, it's a, it's a key piece to the whole thing. And it's why, OU moving to the big or to the sec from the big 12 was such a sticky issue for the conferences, for the local government, right. For the Texas government, for out here in Oklahoma. And I know, I think Stitt was a little more, Pro the move because of what it's going to do to, to the local Oklahoma City economy. I mean, it's going to be. I I don't know if people just realize how much it is going to impact things because the the 
the better the economy is locally in the state of Oklahoma and in the city of Oklahoma City and Norman, those are places that are going to see that and they're going to say, you know what, this is positive for us. Let us invest more into the community and the university. And it's going to, going to be a self-fulfilling prophecy where, where the OU moving and having such big branded games all the time, every other week during the football season, during the basketball season, softball, it is going to mean so much for the state. Uh, but interesting, no Baylor, no Kansas State. And I think that is a, those are two games. I think it's important that OU miss those because I think Baylor has been a problem. They beat OU this past season. Uh, the, the Dave Aranda is a good coach, right? They're probably even in the Baker good. and Murray years, even in the Baker and Murray years. Yeah. 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 Even, even in those years, a, a, um, a random before that rule was a problem. And then we know what Kansas state did. Like they didn't have a great showing against Alabama, but man, they're a good team. They're disciplined, and they've been a problem for Oklahoma, obviously. So missing them, I'll go one further that I don't know if OU could go. I think nine games is going to – that is going to be the win number that they have to get to for the pressure to not be on BV the way it's going to be if they don't win nine games. You don't win nine games on this schedule, and if Dylan Gabriel plays the whole season, because I think fans will have a different perspective. If something happens, maybe there's an injury somewhere, God forbid, Jackson Arnold takes over. I think a, a season where Jackson Arnold looks great, the team looks like they're meshing towards the end of the year, an eight, nine win season looks pretty good. But a season when you have a fifth, six year senior quarterback, who's supposed to have improved in this upcoming season. Nine, 10 wins is what you got to be at, man. Uh, but they're, they're not going to get there if if the off-season work is not where it needs to be, and that's where we're going to go, go next. OU is in the, uh, in the throes of the, of the winter work right now. A lot of weights being moved, a lot of sleds being pushed, a lot of running being had. Uh, if you haven't heard, please go and listen to the Schmitty podcast, guys. It is one of our, our our best pieces. I think it's episode number two. But uh, start of February, DMAC, uh, the players have been working for a little bit now. Uh, yet a few guys show up a little bit later. Uh, but but give us the ins and outs of early mornings in the winter in Oklahoma, getting up for the workouts. Uh, well, what does that look like right now for those guys day to day? First things first, it's cold. Hey, Barry, you cold? What's, what's the weather like right now in Oklahoma? What's it been the last 96 hours? <laughs> uh, man, it's been cold. T- 20 degrees on the, the high side. Woo. One of my buddies said, God spilled a snow cone. <laughs> One of my buddies said, man, I think God spilled this snow cone on Oklahoma. <laughs> oh, man. 70 I'm, degrees yep. here. I was in Huntington Beach yesterday, chilling on the beach. I just sent Barry some pictures. Barry, Barry saw the pictures of me chilling at yep. the crib. But no, uh, February is really cold. The thing about off-season, though, is the first two or three weeks are the worst. Off-season and summer are different. They're both, they both suck. Summer's three times as hard. Off season, here's here's the pros about off season. Number one, uh, you're in school. 
So there is a dedicated amount of time they can have you. And then they, they are required to allow you to be in class and do the things you need to do to keep your grades up. And so it hits you like a, a head of steam at the very beginning, 6 a.m. workouts. You know, there's no coaches in sight. It's just you, Schmitty and his staff. Uh, you got to drive in the cold. There's black ice, right? You got class afterwards. The first two weeks, you're pissed. You want to just, you want to work out and then go home and go to bed. You don't want to get up and go to class. By the way, a ton of guys <laughs> screw up because that's what they do. Uh, but about around week four, B, uh, you get accustomed to it. Your body's associated with the the schedule. Um, and really, off season for me is where I saw the most gains physically. I went from one seventy four my freshman year. I came in with a torn ACL. I lost like five pounds due to the surgery. So I was a I was one hundred eighty three pounds as a senior in high school. I came to OU as one seventy four. That first off season, I was one eighty eight. I mean, I put in, it was muscle. Like I could see the difference. My body had matured. I was throwing up 225, eight or nine times, something like that, which I had never even done it twice prior to. Sure. So, you know, in one year, I go from throwing up 225, I think I threw it four times, just or whatever, my best. I could rep it. I could do three sets of six on on it, and I could probably do 10 as a max, my, my redshirt freshman year, redshirt freshman offseason. And so that whole ordeal, my redshirt season, I obviously got substantially faster, right? I came in, I ran a 4.61 uh, that very first when I came into town. When you come in, they generally test you. I ran a 4.61, and they were like, hey, man, you look like you got a hitch in your step. Yeah, I do have a hitch in my step. <laughs> it's called an ACL, buddy. Um, but I mean, I came in. And really, you know, he taught us how to lift. You know, you really kind of just jump into season when you're a new guy coming into the program, whether you're a transfer and or a new recruit. That off season, the, the strength coaches really teach you how to breathe. You know how to how to how to. Uh, the bar, how, to, how the bar should go down and then how the bar should go up, force down, force up. All, all of the intricacies of maximizing your ability. And mind you, this is 22 years ago. This isn't even what they're doing today, which is probably five times better. But I got substantially faster. Like I was a quick guy in high school. Um, after my first off season there, you know, we were doing COD stuff and they're like, yo, Mackie, what the, f like, they thought the clock was messed up. And then of course, Dre beats my time. Like, damn, Dre, I can't, you know what I'm saying? I can't do the best at nothing. Dre, Dre just, it was a freaking nature. So, you know, that piece, right. But then, but then I gotta, you know, this, this part matters, man. You know, it's, it's the second semester of school, um, you don't have practice in the afternoons, you know what I'm saying? And you're kind of getting accustomed to your schedule, your classes, you know, and, and like, this is the time of year where, where, where the, the guys for Shelly get booed up. Oh, they got pieces lined up or a girlfriend or, you know what I'm saying? Like, this is that time where you, you know, you might Netflix and, and, and binge watch a whole season of something. So there's perks to this, 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 this part of the season, because like I said, it's limited. Um, you don't, it's not like, the season is 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 you know five weeks and counting, four weeks and counting. Yeah, they're counting down to spring. I guarantee you they they've got something. It's it's probably very pronounced. You know, first spring practice is this date, right? There's always something to be striving for, but spring ain't fall camp. It just ain't. I'm just letting you know. It's not the same thing. And and a lot of I went into two separate springs, and we'll talk about this too. B. My okay, so my freshman year, I played X, split in opposite the tight end. My sophomore year, I played H. Right. I was a slot receiver between my freshman and sophomore year. 
they put me in spring to learn the nuances of slot. So like I wasn't being graded, if that makes sense. Like I wasn't being graded on being perfect at slot, right? That that second spring because I was learning a new position. And then from my sophomore year to my junior year, I was playing, we we had kind of done away with the Y position. We had a little Y. And so now the scheme was switching to a position of who we wanted to be in the position to, to get the ball. It's more like how would they play ball today, right? You can move the guy around. So again, I, I sat out half a spring. Coach was like, Mac, I just need you to learn these. So spring is different than fall camp, whereas fall camp, it's like you better grade out 90% every day if you want to start, you know, uh, of course, in concordance with uh, with summer. So the guys, they got their asses kicked in January. Barry, they got their asses kicked. And by the way, I, I, I have, <laughs> I'm not going to tell on anybody, but they got their asses kicked. I think some good things to, to, to note, though, are one, I think we're more athletic. And I'm talking about like clock. Right. 40 times vertical jump uh, reps on 25 um, two twenty five. Excuse me. The guys are showing on paper that this is a much more athletic team than even just last year, like like dramatically. Yeah. Um, and that's good to hear. And then also um, some of the younger guys were some of the most impressive guys the first four weeks of offseason. And so that's mm-hmm. also really good. That's very synonymous with us. Our 99 offseason, which was everybody's first with Schmitty, we kicked 95% of the older guys' ass. Oh, man, we like there was it was a new coach. So it was like, you ain't got precedent over me. I'm trying to come get it. And and in that offseason, we, Curtis Fagan, Andre Wolfolk, I mean, I, I could go down the list, Frank Romero, just a lot of Trent Smith, we were coming for jobs. And, you know, that gave us the opportunity to do so. And then, of course, that season, a ton of us ended up starting or getting starting reps. And uh, it turned over the it turned over the program. So it'll be fun to what? see. Um, yeah. Go ahead, go ahead. No, I, I think just from, well, winter is so important and even more so um, it, in this upcoming season because of what they need to do. But I think there's a different – because they've had that year under Schmitty, and I don't think this uh, can be overstated, when you go into a an offseason and you have guys, however good they are, that have already been through it, it is so much easier as a coach to coach and to be – the uh the the guy sort of directing what what needs to happen because you got have other guys who understand it is way easier to to teach a room where three-fourths of everybody there knows what they need to do or half of everybody knows what they need to do and the other half is learning that's where now as a as a strength coach or somebody in the room you can really get into the finer details you're not doing this big group work where you know, we're learning how to do a power clean and where everybody's starting for like, they will do that. But now you have situations where the players are coaching the players. They know, Hey man, you need to pull higher. Hey, you're getting under the bar a little slow. Like the, there's aspects to that, that are, are going to benefit this team that I think will show through. I, I think that's going to, especially for the younger guys now having a group of players you know say what you want about them and how they perform this past season they know what to do on the gym side of things when they get in there and and work out and let me and right now the reason that the gains happen so much in winter is because that is the furthest 
you are away from needing your skill, right? So the closer you get to the day in which your skill is needed, right? Your your route running, you're catching the ball, the 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 knowing how to get open on the field, the stuff that your athleticism helps you with, but it's not the game of football, right? Right now, it's just the game of exercise. It's the game of eating right, and and as season gets closer everything starts to to emulate the sport just a little bit more you're doing a little more maybe it's seven on seven maybe it's you know but that bucket of each but this is the way we kind of teach it every player has their own bucket and you that bucket has a maximum that you can go to they can an athlete can only take so much during the off season, when you're far away from needing that skill work, you can fill that bucket with power cleans and squats and deadlifts and, and all the things that you need to get big and strong. As the season goes, though, you can't get to fall camp and be filling that bucket with all of that and then still have the, uh, the, the physical resources and, and the mental uh, so, sort of focus that you need to execute the skill piece of the game. So, so right now, this is when most of the strides happen. This is where once guys get out of winter and spring, you, you can get faster and get stronger in the summer. But a lot of times, like you've, you've really laid the groundwork for who you're going to be as an athlete by the end of, end of the spring, uh, essentially. And then, then the summer is where you can separate yourself on the conditioning side. You, you can really get ready and prime for the season, but, but that's when the skill work uh, will, will, will really start being the, at the forefront. Let me ask you this, B. Who are two mm-hmm. or three guys um, on either side of the ball that you feel like this off season is, is a critical opportunity and, or, situation where they can kind of sink or swim uh, and i know there's a lot of turnover and new starters but i'm just interested to know you think about a, a couple of guys on the offense uh and a couple of guys on the defense where this offseason is really going to be an opportune uh opp- opportunity for them to change their career pathway at OU. now i think number one's got to be stutzman with what you saw from him in the against florida state he, he looked better there is still another level that he has to tap into physically that I don't think he is quite at yet. He is definitely a a quick, pretty fast, strong athlete, but there is another level of just for him developing that upper body strength that you need to take on a guard, to take on a center, right? To not, you want your, your middle linebacker from a physical standpoint and you could probably tell me if like a guy like Marshall was like this for that player to be elite at that position there are certain things that they kind of just need to do with their hands in any given play whether it's shed or push a guy off that for your elite guys should really just be casual against certain players it shouldn't be something where he's really got to exert a ton of effort it should be a, oh this guard's coming let let me extend the arms let me get this guy where he needs to be and make the play it shouldn't be a oh this guard's coming hold on for dear life hope i don't get smashed you are you're not going to be elite until you get to that standpoint physically where taking on a guy 
who's bigger than you, um, you, you get to the point where you can use those physical traits that you have to your advantage. And I think Stutzman, although getting closer, right, I think there's still another level physically that, that he can get to. And part of that is what you're doing outside of the gym, on the, on the food side. Um, looking on the defense, Ethan Downs will be interesting. I know he, he made a lot of gains last year. Uh, people remarked at the physical change. I'm curious if he doesn't get he his quickness needs to improve a little bit. That that ability to to get off the ball if he's going to keep playing end under Venables, I think the uh, the that quickness off the ball uh, seems to have a pretty strong upper body, but just to have the the force output from his lower half to create the angles that he needs to create and when you see a guy come in like PJ who just has that right the way he moves the way his uh lower half is the way he can get low play low sink the it's just so natural and fluid some guys just have to work on that and build that in the gym and and Downs is just one of those guys I'm curious to see if that doesn't improve on the offensive side, there's another level Farouk can get to. I think he's still one more offseason away from really being the guy that kind of takes hold. Like you look at Mark Clayton from like red shirt year to or a fre- like true freshman, like red shirt year to red shirt freshman year to when he was lining up in 2003. Different guy. Right. So, so Farouk, I see him on sort of that path, that, that, that same kind of deal. Um, Javante Barnes is one that physically last year, people were remarking on how he looked. And he definitely looks more of the part of an Oklahoma running back, that guy who gets off the bus and you're like, man, that guy's got, got some size to him. But there is a, a certain element of his game, a part of it is the football piece, right? Just vision and being patient. But the, there's the the balance, I think, needs to get a little bit better if I'm just kind of being critical uh, of some of the, the physical pieces. Whereas you saw Sawchuck, he seemed to have a little less problem with that. Um, just the ability to bounce off of tackles, if you think about what that is, that is being able to... Have the strength to to use your hands, your shoulders as leverage. And a lot of that is, can you maintain your center of mass the entire time you're running? And when you watch watch Sawchuck, he'll get off balance for a second, and then he's right back with his his feet under his hips, and and he's going where he needs to go. When you watch a guy like Barnes, the moment contact is made, he struggles to get the feet under the hips as quick as he needs to. And because of that, breaking tackles is a little bit tougher, right? You have a guy like Adrian Peterson, who was still really long, big athlete, but could break tackles because one, his proportions like were just insane, but also his balance was incredible. You, you never saw him at any point be overextended, uh, be on his heels. It just wasn't the way he ran. Uh, For you, though, looking at guys going into the offseason, is is there one or two that you think just absolutely need to have an impactful time right now for them to either see playing time or take that step? The elephant in the room. The elephant in the room, Dylan Gabriel. 
Dylan oh, Gabriel. Man, Dylan needs to. Dylan needs to. It, well, let me not tell a man what he needs to do. He's a grown man. But if I were him, I would really be focusing in on number one, my core strength, and just improving his strength all the way around. But number two, his short area quickness. Those two areas for him could have saved him a lot of heartache and saved us a lot of headache in watching the the Sooners play. Uh, but there's also an, an intangible, a cerebral kind of element for him. And here it is. He's going to see a guy in the room that can match and or beat his athleticism. And I think that's healthy for him. I hope this offseason is one where Jackson continues uh, to, by the way, rumors, Dylan Gabriel, 480, Jackson Arnold, 463. Just saying. Uh, Dylan Gabriel, 32-inch vertical. Jackson Arnold, 33 and a half. Just saying. So, and by the way, rumors, these aren't confirmed uh, per se, but um, <laughs> uh, I think this is, I, this is what the program needs. And that's what I was speaking to earlier in the, pro, in, the, in, the, in the pod. The older guys need to know that there's a younger guy coming. There doesn't need to be this elevator or escalator or progression where like they're all like, you know, comparisons and the senior and then the senior and then the senior and then the senior. And then maybe you get a mix in or somebody who can come in. There needs to be competition where the, the young pups are coming in and immediately putting the older guys on notice. Um, and I think, you know, I, I said this uh, on, on 360. I, I wouldn't be surprised if DG is our starter for the for the better part of the season next year. The beauty is if he isn't, we're not going to have the Texas fiasco. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, it's yeah. good to know that, you know, he is going to be having his feet to the fire, um, as everyone should. I'm not saying this to say anything negative about the kid. I, if we win 10 games with him, I'm I'm good because then the pup didn't have to get beat up. Um, but if he's not up to par, there's another option that's going to be as close to as ready as can be expected um, and is also going to be a plus athlete. So who comes from a wing program and right all the all the intangibles you're looking for. But for me, Barry, it is it is the 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 preeminent or proverbial leader who will see if he steps into that role this season. There really isn't anyone to compete with him as the leader this year, right? Last year, we talked about Willis and, and some, you know, obviously you got some of the leaders on the line, excuse me, on the O-line, but like, think about it. Skill guys, Farouk's probably the most senior laden guy left, you know, O-line Reim, but he's coming off an injury and didn't finish the season. Um, the running backs are puppies. The tight ends are puppies. Like, it's his offense. Whether he wants it or not, it's his. So it'll be it'll be interesting to see how he handles that and if he's able to quarterback or point guard this team to success. Because he's going to have, like you said, Sacha came and let everybody know he could be the best running back on campus. Uh, he, 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 in one game, he showed more than Barnes. And I'm not, you know, this is not to... To, to, to hate on Barnes because Barnes is going to be a guy we need and I like him a lot but dang in one game he showed something that EG never showed he showed something that we hadn't had since uh, a Rodney Anderson and or a Mixon which is a home run threat anytime he touches the ball like oh okay the offense can still do that right Farouk again uh, rumors of him moving to the slot which I think is a natural home for him to get the jet sweeps and the, and the junk routes and you know the one-on-ones against uh, overhangs and or nickel nickelbacks um, and then the trees, 
it'll be interesting to see how Dylan does when he has two, six, three, six, four guys on the outside uh, who are going to be, you know, manning up. And he can he put the ball in places where they can take advantage of their size ratio versus a five eleven to six foot defensive back. So my guy is Dylan. You hit the nail on the head with Stutz. I think Stutz is a guy who on defense can can take his level up another uh, take his game up another level if he takes the weight room serious. The rumors that I've heard is that he's not overly strong. And so he needs to you 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 just set the perfect analogy. He needs to be able to hit a guard or an H back or you know a fullback and be able to extend and separate. And he hasn't had that in his game. And BV is one of them. I mean, he taught Rocky Calamus how to do it. And let me tell you, Rocky didn't get strong in the weight room until his last year. Rocky was an all wow. instinct guy, but Rocky was tough as freaking nail. Yeah. When when T Marshall's doing 275 11 times, Rocky's doing 275 three. Mm-hmm. Right. Backers, we would we would test everybody would test at 225 and we would do test day, but like we would rep at, you know, like receiver DBs, 225. Backers and running backs, 275. Uh O-line, D-line, 315. And same thing on the squat rack. R- receivers and DBs, four, is it? 405 it's 405 four places 405 is that right yeah 405 yep yeah yeah. so we would rep 405 how many times we could do that the backers and 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 uh running backs would do for like 455 i guess it was Mm -hmm. uh no what is it with another with uh 20 yeah 455 oh yeah yeah if you put a 25 on yeah yeah yeah. and then the the line would do five plates that's how we did it and you kind of knew where you were apples to apples with your (laughs) with your with your weight group and then we would just do the the straight um in a nfl testing right how many times can you do 225 you know three cone l drill the whole nine um but rocky rocky was he he was never to the level of of t marshall t marshall was barrel chested he was built like a freaking orangutan you know a, a, a gorilla for real and could run like one too whereas rocky had to develop it in the weight room and every year he'd get a little stronger and then boom by the time he was the 2001 season he was ridiculous and and obviously the defense was ridiculous so Mm. stunts dg for me i'm just looking for a lot of new faces to show up in places and and take jobs that's what i'm looking for yeah that one of the things that that frustrates me that a lot of fans have this sentiment and i do get it. It, it it's very true to some degree you're not going to take a guy, you know, who walks, you know, walks onto the team and he's not going to turn into PJ, right? It, that's just not going to happen. But the weight room for you to be a good football team and to compete at the the level you want to compete at, it has to be taken seriously and you have to get bigger and stronger. You You will go win and beat teams that you're supposed to beat because you just are more naturally gifted at every position than they are but you're also going to have games where that team who is more committed to the offseason like k-state or somebody who has a culture where they just line up and hit you in the mouth and and you don't have the the strength to be able to handle that and a lot of times as much as that is poo-pooed sometimes by fans there is also this aspect of what you see a guy do out on the field. Usually there is a strong correlation to what they're doing in the gym or test setting. You, you rarely ever see a guy who is not pulling away from people on the field, right? And not able to separate. And he goes out there and does great 
in the L drill, does great in three cone and has a great 40, like, or a great 10 yard split. Usually the guys who can do those things, they always translate to the numbers and it's the best objective data you have for a starting point when you're building your depth. If your starters aren't the guys who are usually your best testers, you're not going to have a very athletic team. You might have a team of really smart guys with good football IQ, but you're not going to, you need that. Absolutely do, but you're not going to have a team that goes goes and plays Georgia and and gets separation. And you see it when OU has gone to play those teams historically. You see receivers go out there and not be able to pull away from guys. You you've seen, you know, offensive linemen get pushed around a little bit, defensive linemen, same th- same thing. So it absolutely translates. This is probably of BV's career. Would you say this is the most important offseason that he will have as a head coach? 100%. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think so, man. A lot of good stuff coming uh, your way, everyone. Uh, Sooners 360, there's a lot of stuff posted over there right now. I did a video recently uh, talking about a video. Uh, coach Schmidt does not put a lot of stuff on the social media like the previous individual did. So there's not a whole lot to gleam. And I like that. I like the idea that they're keeping that stuff. Yeah, the, the they'll let the media in. You could tell, and just me kind of knowing what, what's going on, the media wants to get the media side at OU who films that. They're going in and filming the stuff that kind of showcases the equipment, showcases the facility, right? You are seeing the workout, but it's really like we want to show you guys these sleds that we have. We want to show you guys the the kind of stuff that we have in the in the, in the weight room, what we're doing um, in terms of our testing, the way we're um, you know using the force plates and testing. The, it was really showcasing kind of the sports science department of it and what they're doing on the strength and conditioning side. They weren't really showing you kind of the nitty gritty of the work. They were very, I I noticed they were very careful not to show like who was power clean and what, like you really could, I had to get in there like um, the Zapruder JFK film, trying to figure out like what's so-and-so lifting, what's he doing here? So um, they don't, they don't post the same stuff. Whereas before, I mean, they would on Instagram, man, you could go in there and it would just be maybe not hours, but certainly minutes worth of just raw video content, which for me, I liked it. I thought it was great, but I get Schmitty's sentiment in terms of keeping that stuff as personal. That's that stuff that the team goes through that you'll let them see a little bit. But for the most part, that that's that's meant to be kept under wraps. Uh, but yeah, I did a video on that, guys. So a ton of stuff coming your way. We got some special uh, series stuff that we're going to do for the podcast. DMAC, you excited about all that? I am. I am. I am. Rumor going around about uh Let me leave it alone. Let me leave it alone. Nah, man. Great, <laughs> great, great show. <laughs> great show today. I will say this. I need to go ahead and let you guys know, man. Um, here in a, here in the next week or so, we're gonna have a roundtable of Sooners from the the late '80s, early '90s on to current. I think five to ten total. We'll probably do it on Zoom and and have everybody sharing their their stories. So do us a favor, um, send us a couple of ideas that you want people to. 
what you want to hear about. I want, I'm interested to know, is it certain games? Is it certain seasons? Is it certain uh, situations or coaching or Schnelly, crazy Schnellenberger stories? Or, you know, you want to hear what Coach Stoops was like just five, six, seven years ago, kind of like t- towards the tail end of his time. Let me know what some of those things are. You can DM me on Twitter. Actually, actually, you can DM me on Twitter now. I changed it. So now, you know, people would hit me like, I can't DM you because we're not friends. Like, I, I don't know how to use this thing. Yeah, I just be post. careful with that, though, <laughs> man. The 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 thirst okay. traps are coming on those. That's I had mine off for a long time. Yeah. And everybody, they said the same thing. They said, man, I can't DM you. So I turned yeah, it yeah. on. It was not cool when I turned it on. So there was just Maybe the IG page. and people and the IG page is good. The IG page Both is good. The IG page will never. Now go ahead. No, you can good. Uh, yeah. figure out what it can. I'm interested to do this round table. I actually want to hear some crazy stories, my damn self, because it was some of the craziest years of my life and some of the craziest things I had happened while I was in normal. That's all I got. I love me. It, man. I'm dead. I love it, man. Great, great stuff today. Make sure to go follow the Twitter at Barry and Mac SHW. DMAC is at D underscore Mac 13. And you can find me at BYS Fitness at the letter B W I S E. And while you're at it, go uh, go sign up at Sooners360.com. Thank you all for tuning in today, and we will see you soon. Mm-hmm.